0: Hey, good morning. Kip's right about that song. Uh, he's really cool about asking the speaker of, that, of the day, hey man, what song do you want before you go up? And that's always tricky because it's a, a moving song or a song that means something to you, but then how moving is that? And you could get up here and just be speechless. So we got to the first lot whatever my lot and i lost it so i think i'm all cried out and i'm good thank you for that uh bass sounded really good today um tenor okay i know yeah yeah love picking on the praise team hey guys thank you for allowing me to be here this morning and to stand before you and share a few things it was a great guys conference yesterday those of you that were there Uh, And so much work goes into something like that. It was our first one. I hope that continues. Uh, They invited Youth Town, which is the place where I'm working now. Uh, We were able to bring eight young men with two of their uh, guards. We call them direct care supervisors. And they were very moved by that. One of our young men, Wyatt, he shared his testimony. And if y'all know uh, David Skidmore, uh, he's a seasoned speaker. Uh, he was speechless. Uh, when he got up to follow that, I would have never wanted to follow that. Uh, David couldn't speak. So, Wyatt had a very powerful testimony, and uh, it was a moving day. It was a really, really good day. So, thank you again. Uh, like Jim said, a lot of work went into that, so thank for what you did. Josh is off today. have no idea where he is. I don't really care. I just know that... <laughs> I just know he's not here, and I'm sure he's doing something great, spending time with himself, his family, whatever. Um, but I will tell you this, when we were texting this morning, uh, his heart and mind is right here right now with us. He loves his church. He loves this, uh, this ministry. He loves his city. And so wherever he is, I know his mind and heart is on Sycamore View. He does trust me. That is very scary because I'm off, st- I'm off the payroll now and uh, (laughs) Steph and I have been members here for over 30 years. I've told this story before but when we uh, came here to visit sat right back there uh, Shannon back there in the back and uh, Stephanie was uh, pregnant with Tyler and Kyle was three and uh, Kyle threw up everywhere uh, and the songbook racked down Stephanie's clothes and everybody was so kind and I said that's our place and so we've been (laughs) We've been here ever since. We raised our family here. Uh, Steph and I are very much a part of this church, even though uh, for the 18 years I was on staff, it was such an incredible experience. Our heart is still here as well. So I love, love, love Sycamore View. I am now at Youth Town, been around for 57 years, the organization. It is a residential treatment facility for substance abuse. And um, we have a, a Jericho campus, which is the boys' And we have a girls' campus, which is called our Eden Campus. We have a 32-bed facility for boys and 12 for the girls. Uh, our current census is uh, full uh, for the guys. We actually had one run last night at 1138. Uh, we always have to uh, notify the local sheriff. And I always tell the boys, if you're going to run, run. I mean, there's no fences, there's no walls. You're welcome to run. Just pick better weather. And so uh, they pick one of the coldest nights, and they just they bolt. We we caught him at Walmart on Highway 45, and he's back. And uh, we'll reassess everything tomorrow. We have nine girls at our 12-bed facility for the young ladies. It is an honor for me every Wednesday night to go have dinner with them, and uh, I take them uh, treats. I spoil them. Uh, they're smarter than the guys. Uh, they smell better than the guys. Uh, <laughs> And some of our guys just aren't real sharp. But one of the girls, one Wednesday, was sitting across from me. And I said, what what did I bring last Wednesday for dessert? Because I'm old and I forget. And she said, you you brought oatmeal cream pies. I said, excuse me? Oatmeal cream pies. Oatmeal cream pies. That's right. I brought oatmeal cream pies. And then she whispered something. I said, what did you say? She goes, I've never had. She never had an oatmeal cream pie. So some of our young ladies and some of our young men are from very rural, poor uh, setups. And what scares me, like Wyatt, who shared his story yesterday, is when he completes our program in 90 to 100 days, that's where he'll go back. He'll go right back to the same environment. But let me tell you something. That place is amazing, and I'm not going to spend uh, the rest of time talking about that. I just want to tell you where I am now and what I'm doing and how much this place and how much you have Prepared me for what I'm doing now at Youth Town. so to all of you that know me have been a part of my life over the years, I thank you I thank you from the bottom of my heart. so if you're our guest, come back next Sunday. there's a real preacher that'll be standing right here he 's better looking a little bit shorter I could still take him, but I'll tell you <laughs> he'll be standing right here and so promise come back we've been in a series in Hebrews, and I 'm not sure of the author and I'm sure a lot of you have, have ponder that. There's all types of people out there that they thought maybe could have written this, but I do know this. He was an amazing preacher. And As I've read and studied Hebrews over the years, it's actually become one of my favorite books. I've always been able to pre- uh, picture the preacher standing in front of a crowd, small, large, whatever, and I know this about him. He was very passionate. He was very direct. He was very loving He cared for his congregation, and he masterfully was always weaving in Scripture in life to his sermons. So our series brings us today to Hebrews chapter 12. You should see that on your screen, or your Bibles in front of you, or your handheld device, whatever. And we're going to read, beginning with verse 3. And I'm going to have to read it, so can it be up on the screen? I do not have a Bible with me. Isn't that terrible? Oh, there he is. I'm going to stand here right So fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as, father, as a father addresses his son? It says, and this is quoted from a proverb, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. and Do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. Did you hear that? Well, that's real easy to do, right? Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? I know a few. I see them in Kroger. (laughs) If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who discipline us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They discipline us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, does it? But painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been been trained by it. Therefore, because of all this that we've just said, therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. That's our text for today. And we just had the Lord's Supper. Who are you? Who's a, what's that guy that did the Lord's Supper? Eli. Eli. See, I've been gone so long. Who is it? Where are you? Who are you? <laughs> do y'all ever do that? You see a guy just get up and he's reading scripture and doing all supper and you say, Is he a member here? Do I know him? Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Oh, good to see you again. <laughs> so you ran him? he he ran his mom off, right? And he stayed. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Thank you for bringing our hearts back to the cross. Amen. Thank you for bringing us back to the Lord's Supper, which reminds us of the suffering and for what Jesus' pain was actually for. He died for us. And we all suffer, and we're all going to suffer, and we all have pain, emotional and physical. And this morning, we're alive to tell about it. We're alive to tell about it. You, we shed blood. No. We've been through some tough times. Yes, but we didn't shed blood. Jesus shed blood. So what's the old saying? No blood, no fowl. That's kind of what the preacher man's telling us here. And often we might bring up Scripture in reference that says something like uh, the preacher did. You know, a lot of times we'll bring up a scripture reference, and, and when we're talking about something like it says in Matthew, or like it says in the Old Testament, remember when the, the Israelites say, "We well, remember when, remember when." We do that sometimes when we're talking to our spiritual brothers and sisters. Well, that's what the preacher man is doing here. He's bringing in a scripture reference, Proverbs three: God dis- disciplines his children. If you receive discipline, that's good. That means you have someone that loves. He cares for you. That's a good thing. That means someone does really care. If it's not good maybe sometimes on the other end when you receive it, you don't think that way. You may have heard it said, well, this will hurt me more. What's the rest of it? More than it will hurt you. Do you really believe that? I mean, some of you that have given your, your kids a spanking or whatever, it does kind of hurt you. It does. I get that. My dad never said that. He said, This is not going to hurt me. This is going to hurt you. (laughs) Now, I really believe, looking back on my dad's life, I really think that he loved me and it probably really did hurt him to do that, maybe. But I will tell you this he never showed his cards. He never showed his cards. So here's what he did he would reach in his pocket and he would pull out a knife like this. This is one of my dad's pocket knives. Okay? How many people? Maybe there are probably some chicks that might, but how many guys carry pocket knives? Just curious. Used to, people carried them all the time. And when you go into metal detectors or places where you have to be uh, patted down, you kind of get out of the habit of that. I remember going downtown for court one time and I had my pocket knife and said, "Uh uh-oh, I gotta go in there. So I actually went outside, hit it over a door jam, Went inside, did my uh, went back out there with oh there it is. So I lucked out because I didn't want to go all the way back to my car to take it. But my dad always carried a pocket knife, and my dad always sharpened pocket knives. So his knife was always sharp, always. And he would take and uh, the guys at work and sharpen it on a wet rock. People, you ever seen people do that on a wet rock, sharpen it? And my dad would he could shave hair with that. And he would hand it to me and say, son, it don't know meat from wood. It doesn't know meat from wood. So you got to tell it where it's gonna go because it'll cut you. Well, he would also use this knife. He would, op- he, w- he would not open up the blade, but he would hand it to him and say, son, go do what? Cut a switch. You've heard stories like that before? And some of those are made up. They weren't made up at the Taylor house. Dad would give us a knife. We would go cut a switch in the backyard. We had a bunch of pecan trees and we would cut a, a twig off of there a limb off of there, and then he would take and shave the twigs off of it methodically slowly in front of us as torture, knowing that this weapon that he was carving out was about to be used on us. There was three of us kids, boys, and we always got a whipping, regardless of whether you did it or not. He would line us all up because he worked shift work, and when he got home, my mom said, wait till your dad gets home. When he got home, he lined us up and we all got a whipping. Because his theory was, one of us had messed up. And if you got away with it, this is payback this time. So we always got a whipping. And you're probably thinking, I really enjoyed those whippings, didn't I? No. Dad spanked us. Dad used a switch, and he used a razor strap. Somebody gave him an old antique barber chair. He thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Found out later it was for the strap on the side. We got a a whipping. And we did not enjoy it. But my dad's been gone for eight or nine years and I can still remember the lessons learned from some of those spankings. Discipline is needed. Sometimes punishment is needed. Setbacks in your life are needed. God can use anything to teach and mold us and strengthen us, even setbacks, even sufferings, even things that don't go our way. Something good can come from something bad. God can do that. You know why? He's God. You know, there's some human suffering that's just hard to understand. Innocent people suffering. But the preacher here is not trying to actually account for all suffering. There has been some suffering that went on in that congregation, and he's trying to give them some strength through those struggles that they have encountered. But regardless of the pain and the suffering, if we keep our faith, that's key, God can teach us so much. If we keep our faith, God can teach us so much. He will strengthen us through our setbacks. Today I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to listen to me. Please don't give up on God. Whatever setback you're going through, Whatever tough time you're going through, and everybody in here is or has, will, don't give up on God through the process because it's easy to do sometimes. Some pain and suffering can happen for our discipline. It's hard to look at it like that, but some of it can happen for our discipline. And then some pain and suffering just happens, and you just can't explain it. Work with me here as I start to close. I'm going to be short today. I won't be short today. Someone said, "How long are you going to go?" I said, "I oh, have 15 minutes." He said, "I'm timing you." So here we go. <laughs> that great wedding that you were a part of, the ceremony and the reception was grand. You mailed the thank you cards. The honeymoon was amazing, and then she cheated on you. And then he had an affair. Then the finances really got tough. Then you start having trouble with the kids. Things got tougher. Parenting got tougher. Then as you got older, you became the parents to your parents. Then you broke your arm. And it stinks having to do everything with one hand. You had an unexpected surgery. You didn't see that coming. You missed work. Your spouse died. Your favorite person in the whole world died and you never had a chance to say goodbye. Someone you loved committed suicide. Your grandson OD'd. Your child got cancer. Your son is failing school. You found text on your wife's phone. You live six feet from a neighbor you can't stand. You're not appreciated at work. You're out of money and it's only halfway through November. You wake up lonely every morning. Your depression's getting worse. No one understands you. You feel feel alone right now in this crowded room. You're living a secret life and it's killing you. You're wondering when my list will end and when this talk's over. Well, it's done. So, the preacher man in Hebrews and the preacher man who's standing in front of you right now is saying the same thing. Don't lose your faith. Hang on. We are all in this together. You hear me? We're a family. And family connects with family. You need to connect with a family that will help you through this. Connect with God's family. Turn it over to God. Our trials make us stronger, and it gives us witness and testimony for others. Debbie French. She's going, oh my gosh, Mark Taylor just called my name from the pulpit, what's he gonna say? You may have heard me tell the story before, I'm gonna tell you again. So, Steph and I are on vacation years ago. Where's, is Dr. Wade here? Where's bald-headed Wade, he's not here? All right, Dr. Wade Bowers is our vet. He's taking care of my dog, where's Fawn? Fawn here? Where's everybody? I have all these people I wanted to call out. I don't even see them. So Fawn is at home with our dog. She's house sitting and she's watching Amos, our miniature Schnauzer. We knew he was acting kind of weird. We thought he was just missing us because we were going on vacation. Well, found out he had a, um, a spot on his spleen. And Wade said, I found it. I can remove that spot. Worst case scenario, remove the spleen. And then, so we're down at the beach, down in Florida, having a good time. Where, where's Chuck? There's Chuck Petrie. There's somebody's here. We were at their condo, and we were having a good time. He charged us way too much to stay there. And, <laughs> and so we, I thought, all the insurance money I give him, he could have given me a break. Nah. Anyway, put all of his girls through school, paid their college, married, all that stuff, all from our insurance premiums. But anyway. <laughs> so I hope Chuck's not here. Anyway. So we're we're calling from the condo, checking on our dog, and he says, hey, man, I'm going to take that spleen out if I have to. And then I call him, finds out. He opens him up. He's covered with aggressive cancer. So we had to put him down. So we leave Florida early. We drive home. We're driving. So every mile marker, 100 miles to Memphis. 100 miles, I'm picking up my dead dog. 50 miles to Memphis. 50 miles, I'm picking up my dead dog. I never lost a dog, never had a dog. And I had him for 11 years. And here I was going to pick up my dog. We were crying. She'd cry a while. Stephanie would cry a while. I'd cry a while. She'd cry a while. We'd both cry. We went to Dr. Wade's. I didn't know what what you do. Well, he says, pull up to the back door. And they bring you, your dead dog has been frozen in the freezer. It had been a couple days. And wrapped up in a shroud. And they hand you your dog. So we take him home, we put him on the couch because that's where he always sat. Stephanie's on one side, I'm on the other side, we're both weeping. I'll never forget that day, it was my birthday! So I buried my dog on my birthday, April 22nd. Never forget that, worst birthday ever. And you say, why are you talking about that? What's that got to do with anything? I'm going to close with this because, let me tell you, years prior, in a Bible class in this church, we were doing a prayer list. You know how sometimes they... The prayer lasts longer than the, uh, the class itself. It was one of those Sundays. and It just seemed like the prayer list went on and on and on. And then somebody raised her hand. They said, we need to pray for Debbie French. She had to put her dog down. Under my breath, I'm being very confessional here, I snickered. I never had a dog. Are we taking up class time to pray for somebody that lost a dog? That's what I thought. You know, Aunt Martha had a hangnail, so and so and so thing. This prayer list is going on now. They're they're praying for a a dead (laughs) dog. Till they put down Amos. Till they put down Amos. I've since apologized to Debbie. She's going, "Would you get over that? Quit talking about it. It still bothers me to think that I had that thought." The point is, when you go through something. Regardless of what it is, it gives you sympathy. It gives you empathy for someone else going through the same thing. It gives you a witness, gives you a testimony to help somebody else later. Setbacks make us more reliant on God and not ourselves. We can learn from our pain. If we have no pain, often we have no gain. Well, how does the preacher man in Hebrews in this section masterfully weaving in Scripture. So this preacher man is going to use the same Scripture. It's on the screen. Isaiah 3 and then we'll close. I chose the, um, the message. I just thought it was kind of cool. Some of you don't like that. Sometimes it's just kind of cool. So energize the limp hands. Strengthen the rubbery knees. Tell fearful souls, courage, take heart. God is here, right here. He's on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. He's on the way. He'll save you. Blind eyes will be opened. Deaf ears unstopped, lame men and women will leap like deer, the voiceless break in the song, springs of water will burst out in the wilderness, streams flow in the desert, hot sands will become as cool oasis, thirsty ground, a splashing fountain, even lowly jackals will have water to drink and barren grasslands flourish richly. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. It's for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. Somebody just punched their husband. No lions on this road, no dangerous wild animals, nothing, and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on this road. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion, unfading halos of joy encircling their heads, welcomed home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs scurry into the night. Prayer partners, prayer warriors, if you'll go take your places here, everyone here is carrying something right now, some kind of pain past present or you're going to have it how do you deal with it god often uses that to discipline us what do we do with that and those of you that have been through so much have so much to share with others that may be going through the same thing we're a family if there's something you need to bring to be before the uh, altar of god now is a great great time to do it as we stand and sing